Our Father who is in heaven, may your name be holy. May your kingdom come, may your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us the bread we need for today. Forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Protect us from temptation and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom and the power and the glory belong to you. Forever and ever, amen. For the kingdom and the power and the glory belong to you forever and ever, amen. These are the last 16 words of Jesus' prayer. They're the last 16 words of the most famous prayer in all of Christianity. And because they're the last words, I have a little bit of concern that we might find ourselves rushing through them. That, that's especially true if you've been reciting this prayer a couple of times a day over the past six weeks. Uh, it, it can be something that, that starts to feel like it's just automatic and, and you're not paying close enough attention. I know that's been true for me. In, in my family, we've been saying this prayer sometimes together, uh, sometimes as individuals. Riley and I have actually gotten into the, the habit of saying the Lord's Prayer, sometimes in our heart, sometimes we recite it out loud, but saying this prayer as a way to help us make sure that we're taking the full recommended 20 seconds to thoroughly wash our hands. Now, I, I got to admit that before this whole global pandemic thing, I don't think I ever took 20 full seconds to wash my hands. Now, but before you judge me too harshly, I'm, I'm not a surgeon or anything. And, and I got to say that not having done that before on a regular basis, taking 20 seconds to wash my hands before a meal feels like a really long time. And so by the time I get to these 16 words, I'm cruising along, moving as fast as I can. And what that means is that I'm, I'm thinking it, but I'm not really thinking about it. Right? I'm, I'm reciting the words, whether it's in my heart or out loud, but I'm not really paying attention to what I'm saying. And, and if you've ever had that experience, especially with this prayer over the past six weeks, you know that when we rush through things, we miss things. And, and I can't speak for anyone else, but I don't want to miss a single thing that Scripture is trying to teach us. I don't want to miss a single thing that God is trying to teach us. Now, throughout the years of, of reading Scripture, of studying the Bible, I have found that there are times when God is wanting to teach us in a gentle way that comforts us. There are other times when God is teaching us in a direct way that challenges us. And and that means that there are times that, that God, out of his care and concern for us, he's trying to get us to see painful truths about ourselves that we don't want to see. He's trying to help us face unsettling truths about ourselves that we don't want to face. He's, he's trying to, to help us confront the fact that we all have secret struggles that we don't want to think about, we don't want to own up to, and, and we don't know how we're going to overcome them. And, and here's the thing about the times when God is trying to lovingly confront us. It takes integrity. It takes courage. It takes strength to let God confront us with his truth about us. It, it, takes, it takes a willingness to be called out. It, it takes a, a willingness to, to find a way to be the kinds of people God believes we can be, even when we're struggling to believe it ourselves. You know, if we want to, we, we can basically politely ignore all the places in Scripture where God is calling us to personal transformation. You know, the, the Bible is a book that we open, or maybe I should say the Bible is an app for, for many of us that we open. And, and then we get to decide 
where we're going to start reading and how much we're going to read, how seriously we're going to read it. And, and we also have the decision of when we're going to close that app or close that book and walk away. And, and what that means is that, that we, can, we can choose to consistently go to places in God's word where we only find comfort and we never find challenge. Right? We, we, can, we can search the scriptures our whole, our whole lives for spiritual comfort food, and then we can, we can stay there forever. But if, if you and I ever really hope to, to change, right, if we really desire to truly transform more and more into the image of Jesus, then we're going to have to, to faithfully endure the undeniable growing pains that are going to come along the way, transforming from who we are right now into people who reflect more and more the image of Jesus that's worth the strain and the struggle. If, if I have to go through moments that hurt in order to be made holy, that's a price I'm willing to pay. And I hope the same is true for you. When we confess in those last 16 words of Jesus' prayer that the kingdom and the power and the glory belong to God forever and ever, amen, we also have to learn to confess three uncomfortable truths about ourselves. First, we seek to expand our own kingdoms. We've got to admit that. And, and then we've got to admit that we scramble to secure our own power. And finally, we, we've got to admit that we strive to display our own glory. Let's start with that first one, where we seek to expand our own kingdoms. Look, we all have a sense of how we want our life to go. We all have personal hopes and dreams. We all have goals that we want to accomplish. And, and we're all constantly taking steps to try to take a hold of that life we want. We're all doing the best we can to try to build that life we dream about. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that as long as the life we want lines up with the life God wants for us. God's desires need to determine what we do more than our own desires. And, and God's desire throughout Scripture is very clear. He's very consistent with what he wants, right? He's very, very consistent about his kingdom agenda. God wants every single person to have a blessed relationship with him that in turn blesses the way they relate to everyone else. God's kingdom is all about love that's stronger than hate and, and compassion that's stronger than indifference and forgiveness that's stronger than failure, selflessness that's stronger than selfishness, good that's stronger than evil. Anything we do with our lives that serves God's kingdom agenda is time and effort well spent. On the other hand, anything we do that, that ignores God's kingdom agenda is time and effort that's wasted wasted on furthering our own kingdoms and our own agendas, and there's just no room for that in the life of a faithful disciple. Right? If, if we're going to say that the kingdom belongs to God, then we've got to confess that we seek to expand our own kingdoms. But we also have to admit, and it's unsettling, that we scramble to secure our own power. In a world that's filled to overflowing with uncertainty, most of us would give just about anything for a little sense of control. In a time like this, when almost everything about the future feels like it's up in the air, most of us would do just about anything to try to have enough power to get to determine what happens next. But the thing about power is, you and I, we just can't ever manage to get our hands on enough of it. No matter how many financial resources we accumulate, 
or, or how much expertise we have or how much influence we wield or, or what kind of job title we carry. There are always things that happen to us. There, there are always things that take place in our world that, that are simply beyond our ability to control. We know that. But that doesn't stop us from trying to reach for just a little more power whenever we can find it, desperately hoping that this last little bit, it might finally put us over the edge. And then we'll be the one who's calling all the shots. We'll be the master of our own destiny. But it never works out that way, brothers and sisters, because all the power in the world pales in comparison to the power of God. In fact, the truth is every bit of power that, that we have is on loan to us from God. And I promise you, if we fail to use God's power for God's purposes, that, that power won't do us or anyone else any good. And in fact, the longer we use God's power in ways that are not about God's purposes, the more we are guaranteeing that God will strip us of that power one day. It's unsettling to face the truth that we scramble to secure our own power, but we do. And we have to confess that we strive to display our own glory. Long before there was such a thing as a cell phone selfie, people have, have been tempted to put themselves at the very center of the frame, the very center of the shot. Pe- people have found subtle ways to make sure that, that the spotlight's on them or that it's on anyone else. And, and if we're honest with ourselves, I think we all know what it's like to try to make sure that we get, we get the credit. When, whenever we manage to do something that we feel like is probably going to impress someone else, we don't want any good thing we do to go unnoticed. And so we might find that we do a good thing, and then if there's no audience for it, we'll create one. You know, we'll call someone, or maybe we'll post online, and, and we'll, we'll talk about just how good it felt to serve our family by cleaning the whole house on our own, or, or how good it felt, you know, that sense of accomplishment in, in mowing our neighbor's overgrown lawn without being asked. And both of those things are undeniably great things to do, but but it's not so great once we kind of wrap them up in the familiar language of a dreaded humble brag. Glory is is such a tempting thing for us to chase after. I mean, who doesn't want to shine? Who who doesn't want other people to see them in the best possible light? Who who doesn't want to be well-regarded and well-respected? But glory we seek for ourselves, it never lasts. It always fades. It's, it's fleeting. You, you can't be at the top of your game forever. You can't possibly impress everyone all the time. You can't take all the credit and never take any of the blame. Pursuing glory for our own sake, I, I know. At times it feels really good. But it's toxic to our souls. Now, now pursuing glory for God's sake, giving God the credit, anytime we manage to do anything that's good, and, and when we give God the credit, absolutely 100% believing that that credit belongs to God and God alone, believing that it's true, that's not toxic for our souls. It's nourishing. It helps us remember who we really are in the grand scheme of things. In fact, it, it really keeps us humble in healthy ways that you and I desperately need. Now, I know those three truths you know, that we seek to expand our own kingdom and we, we scramble to secure our own power and we, we strive to display our own glory. It's not something that, that makes us feel good as we think about it and as we confess it, but it's absolutely crucial for us to tell the truth about ourselves, even when it makes us uncomfortable, if telling that truth will help us be more like Jesus, the one we're trying to follow. And here's the thing about Jesus. He doesn't just 
give us these words at the end of his prayer. He doesn't just teach us to pray this way. He shows us what it looks like to live this way. We're going to read about that story, a moment in his life where he he demonstrates what that looks like in Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, People shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Here in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus faithfully resists the temptation to expand his own kingdom and to secure his own power and to display his own glory. Now, I know that it's kind of out of order. Uh, The temptation for him to to build his own kingdom, it comes last. And the temptation for him to use his power to satisfy his hunger, it comes uh, first. And then the temptation to show off and, and kind of steal the, the glory of God, it, it comes right in the middle. But all three of the temptations are present in this story. And in all three instances, Jesus finds a way to faithfully live out the values in this prayer that he has been teaching us to say. And brothers and sisters, as followers of Jesus, you and I need to learn to do the same thing, right? To not just recite these words, but to live them. The the last 16 words of Jesus's prayer, they remind us that if we're already committed followers of Jesus, then that means we're the people who have already promised to live for God's kingdom agenda instead of our own. We're the people who have promised to, to rely on God's power instead of desperately trying to increase our own. We're the people who have already promised to give God the glory rather than stealing the spotlight for ourselves. Now, those promises are incredibly difficult to live out. They're incredibly difficult not only to make, but to keep. And Jesus knows this. He understands the limitations we have. We we mean well, but we often struggle to follow through. And so, I don't want you to miss this, but Jesus teaches us to ask God to be the one who helps us keep our promises to God. We keep praying these words because as much as they might have already changed us, brothers and sisters, we know that they haven't yet changed us enough. You know, the the more I have prayed this prayer throughout this series, the more I have really come to understand that this prayer doesn't just belong to me. It belongs to us. And when I say it, I'm not just praying for me, but I'm praying for us. There's this communal aspect to this prayer that you and I have to hold on to. It helps broaden our spiritual imagination. It helps us see not just me, but you, and not just the two of us, but everyone. And because of that communal aspect to the prayer, I have found this truth, and that is that while it seems like the Lord's Prayer 
is filled with requests. Every one of those requests carries inside of it a commitment. Every ask carries within it an offer. When we beg for God's name to be made holy in our world, we are at the same time promising to do our best to make God's name holy in our lives, to make it something beautiful when when other people in our lives hear it. When we beg for God's kingdom to come, for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are at the same time offering ourselves to to get to be a part of that world-changing mission in in any role that we can play. When we beg for God to give us the bread we need for today, not not just the bread I need for today, but but the bread we all need, we are at the same time, we're, we're asking for God to grow a generosity in us that helps us share freely with other people who don't yet have what they need. When we beg for God to forgive us in the same way that we forgive others, we are at the same time making it clear that we want to grow in the ways of authentic grace towards everyone. When we beg for God to protect us and deliver us, we are at the same time making it clear that we want to become more and more people who protect and deliver others from evil and evildoers with God's help. What I'm trying to say is that when we say the Lord's Prayer, When we say this prayer the way Jesus wants us to say it, we aren't just praying to our Heavenly Father, we are praying to become more like our Heavenly Father, and that makes all the difference. Jesus teaches us to pray more than a list of what we'd like God to do on our behalf. Jesus instead teaches us to pray for a partnership where we're able to join with God to do the kinds of things that only God can do. We're able to join with God in helping make our prayers come true. And along the way, Jesus hopes that you and I will discover that the best possible way of life is a prayerful partnership with the creator of life. That that's the best we can hope for. That that's the best way of life that we can possibly pursue. And the question is, brothers and sisters, do we trust that Jesus is right? Do we trust that Jesus is not only telling us the truth, but showing us how to live the truth? I, I want to close this, this series, this time together, by having us say Jesus' prayer as a, as a family. And, and I hope that as we say it, we make a commitment that we're not done praying with Jesus. Will you say these words together with me now? Our Father who is in heaven, may your name be holy. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us the bread we need for today. Forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Protect us from temptation. Deliver us from evil. For the kingdom and the power and the glory belong to you forever and ever. Amen.